I'm going to kind of do a little bit of a sports talk. I'm going to talk about the draft a little bit, what I think of what happened and my take on it. I didn't really, you know, it's it's so crazy, man. This year, this, this year's just been really crazy. Um, I've learned a lot, though, but overall, what I'm trying to say is I forgot there was an NBA draft at all, you know, the other day. So when like I came, one of my customers, one of my regulars came in and they were asking if I was following the draft and I said, what draft? I I completely, totally forgot. Anyway, I'm going to talk about that and then I'm going to uh, talk about, you know, other stuff. So let me first get into um, this thing with Illinois. Okay, so um, the Illinois Board of Education gets blowback for rule forcing teachers to adopt, uh, quote, progressive views. Okay, here we go. The Illinois State Board of Education is proposing a rule that would force teachers to promise they would, quote, embrace and promote, quote, progressive views starting in October 2021. The rule published in the Illinois Register on September 11th, uh, titled, uh, quote, Culturally Responsive Teaching and Leading Standards for All Illinois Educators, requires that educators embrace and encourage progressive viewpoints and perspectives that leverage asset thinking toward traditionally and marginalized populations. Well, we already know where this is going. Culturally responsive teachers and leaders are reflective and gain a deeper understanding of themselves and how they impact others. The culturally responsive teacher and leader will understand and value the notion that multiple lived experiences exist and there is not one correct way of doing or understanding something, and that what is seen as correct is most often based on our lived experiences. Recognize how their identity, race slash ethnicity, uh, slash national emotional ability slash socioeconomic class slash religion etc affects their perspectives and beliefs about pedagogy and students critically think about the instructions in which they find themselves working to reform these institutions whenever and wherever necessary assess how their biases and perceptions affect their teaching practice and how they access tools to mitigate their own behavior racism sexism Homophobia, unearned privilege, <laughs> Eurocentrism. Oh my God. Know and understand how a system of inequity creates rules regarding student punishment that negatively impacts students of color. So here we go again. You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. The, the, the gall that that these that these higher ups have you're going to tell teachers what and how to teach I'm trying to be woke now let's just let's just break this down so i did a little more digging and um i went to illinoisreportcard.com and i looked at the racial slash ethnic diversity of uh of uh students uh, within Illinois. And so, uh, 47.5% of the students are white. Um, 
That sounds that sounds high to me. I thought it'd be you know around like forty percent, but whatever. Uh, sixteen point six percent are black. Uh, twenty six point six are Hispanic. Uh, five point two percent are Asian. Point three percent are American Indian. Point one percent is Pacific Islander, and three point eight is two. Three point eight percent are two or more races. So there we go. So what does that mean? Well, the majority of these, the majority of uh, the kids are uh, are quote unquote students of color, which of color is such a stupid term. Um. So what it seems like they're gonna tr- what what it seems like they're trying to do is they are trying to talk about white guilt. And what they're trying to do is indoctrinate students and use their teachers to do their bidding to say, look, you know, trying to teach white kids, okay, so you are on top because of the color of your skin, primarily, and your skin color has a great deal to do with your success and uh your your destiny in in the future. And that's what they're trying to say. And that's evil. And they are also on the other hand trying to tell they're going to try to t- tell their students of color that the reason that you are not that you are unable to succeed, the reason that you are quote unquote oppressed is due to the color of your skin and due to your socioeconomic status. These things are evil. It's evil when you tell someone that the system is against them and that no matter what they do, how they act, that there's nothing that they can do to improve their status and that they are simply a victim because of the pigmentation of their skin and because of what's between their legs. It's absolutely evil and outrageous. Let me keep reading. It further states to address, quote, systems of oppression. A, quote, culturally responsive teacher and leader will be, quote, be aware, will, quote, be aware of the effects of power and privilege and the need for social advocacy and social action to better empower diverse students and communities. If the State Board of Education approves the standards on December 16th, they move on to the Illinois General Assembly's Joint Committee on Administrative Rules. The college fix noted, if given the green light there, not only will they become part of educators' evaluations, but also programs at state university schools of education. This is, if I'm, if I'm a parent, I, I am strongly considering trying to find a way to homeschool my child. And if, and here's the thing. Most parents aren't able to do that. I understand that because that's such that's such a hard thing to do, and it's very time consuming. And parents work; they just, you know, they have jobs, and so they can't, you know, work eight hours and then, you know, teach eight hours. It's it's pretty hard. So it's going to be very difficult for parents to do that. But this is this is just flat out evil, and. What I'm doing, if I'm, if I'm a parent and this passes, uh, 
the very minimum that I am doing is saying, okay, I'm going to tell my child, okay, you're going to go to this school because we simply just can't afford to just leave the state right now. Like we just, we just can't do that. Um, but whatever you learn and whatever you're told there, we're going to talk about. Okay. I don't care. You know, I don't care if my student is white, you know, so let me, let me just go through some, some scenarios. Okay. So if I'm a parent of, you know what? No, if I'm a parent, whatever, whatever race my, my child is, whatever, uh, whatever ethnicity my child is, I'm going to look at my child and I'm going to say, listen, son, daughter, let me tell you something about life. There is no equality. It doesn't exist. People are better at some things than they are than they are at others. Some people are very great athletically. Some people are very inclined academically. Some people are geniuses. Some people are work tremendously with their hands. You have a gift. I have a gift. Your job is to find out what that gift is. And everyone will have troubles in their life. Some people have health issues. Some people have, you know, they lack money. And that that is an issue. But do not blame your problems or... Do not blame your problems or blame your success on your skin color. Because it has nothing to do with it. How hard do you work? What effort are you putting in? What choices are you making in life? These are the things that matter. And now let me say this. Do some people have more privileged lives than others? That is true. That is a true statement that that cannot be argued. But that is one of the consequences of wealth. That's one that's because see if one because see what happens is kids stand upon the shoulders of their of the generations that came before them. Each generation stands on the previous uh generation's shoulders. So you're supposed to do better than the previous generation. And there are some people where, you know, they're born into a great family. Um, you know, they're born into middle or upper middle or upper class. And so there are certain things that they will not have to go through, but they still have to figure out their way in life. They still have to figure out what they're good at. They still have to make the right decisions. They still have to understand what's right and wrong. They still have to understand that there are consequences to your actions, regardless of the color of your skin. That is what every parent should be telling their student. You're really, I mean, you're, you're really going to, you're really going to look at each student and just say, you know what? The reason you can't make it is because, is because of your, is because of your skin color. My parents, my, you know, my parents used to tell me, you know, you know, you have to work twice as hard as your classmates that are white. And growing up, that never made sense to me. Because I have no idea why that would matter. And I remember, you know, growing up, 
I got the the advice I got from my from my parents was 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 always kind of interesting. Some of it was some of it was good. Some of it was just absolutely just atrocious. But I you know I remember I remember one day my dad was kind of talking to me. I think I was in I think I was about to go to middle school, and uh, yeah, because I think I think this was like fifth grade. But um, my dad began talking to me about uh, about life and about how, because I'm black, that things would just, that I would have to work harder just because of my race. And I never, I never really questioned it out loud to him, but in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, let's think about this. And he started talking about how whites make more than blacks. And I said, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. If whites make more than blacks, why wouldn't, if I'm a business owner, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I just hire more blacks to do the same job? If they have the same experience and the same education, why wouldn't they just hire more blacks? It made no sense to me. And it's a lie. The truth is, is it's a lie. That's not, that's not true in today's world. And so when I look at when I look at these articles and when I look at these statements, it's it it really breaks my heart. Let me read a little more of the article. Ralph Rivera and Molly Malone Rumley from the group Pro Family Alliance responded to the board's proposal in a letter asserting these elements of the proposed rule require teachers to to a government sourced uh, progressive and activist viewpoint in their educational work with students. As a consequence, certain narratives will be required and counter-narratives excluded and prescribed. Uh, This is a form of compelled speech and viewpoint discrimination, which is likely to be found unconstitutional. Uh, Which, by the way, is true. I mean, you're going to tell me what I can and can't say. You're going to tell me what I can and cannot teach. You're going to tell me how to behave in my classroom. This, it's, it's unacceptable. Let me say this. When it comes to education, the government should have nothing to do with education for, for, you know, the, 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 the United States Department of Education should not exist. It simply shouldn't exist because it, it should not, let me say this about the government, and I think people can kind of relate to this. The government is not very efficient. Whenever, the, whenever you rely on the government to do something for you, it's not going to end well. We can look at the welfare state. We can look at the post office. We can look at, you know, the government when they fix potholes. The pothole, you know, they close the street for like, you know, three months and then they fill the potholes and then lo and behold, the potholes are back in three days. The government is not very efficient. And it, the private sector beats the government in every single area. We can, we can look at this vaccine stuff. Just look at this COVID-19 vaccine stuff. What, well, where are these vaccines coming from? From the private sector. Now, does the government have something to do with it? With Operation Warp Speed? Yes, it does. But, overall, when you leave companies and when you leave competent people 
to do what they do and just, that's why I'm saying open up the economy. Because when you let people do what they do best, things get done. And they get done, they get done well, they get done quickly, they get done efficiently. But this, this is just flat out, this is just flat out evil. This is, this is not okay. I'm so sick and tired of the, of the, the, the gall that, that these people have. Trying to indoctrinate students that, uh, your position in life is due to your race and due to your sex and due to your, due to your, uh, sexual orientation or what, whatever checkbox they want to, you know, whatever box they want to check. Oh, it's because of your, your, how you identify, you know, how you, your gender identity, you know, you know, your race, your ethnicity, your, your color, your, your, your whatever. And because of these things, because of, because of these boxes that you check, that's why you are where you are in your life. It doesn't have to do with your decisions. It doesn't have to do with, you know, what you choose to do in life. It doesn't have to do with your level of effort in life. No. No, not those things. No, it's the things out of your control. Everything that happens to you is because is because of is because of the the the, the system and white supremacy and Eurocentrism. It's flat out evil, and it's 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 wrong. I'm, I'm telling you, man. I, when I have kids, man, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do everything in my power to homeschool them. Seriously, I'm, I'm not. School is becoming unbelievably. It, it, it's 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 become. They're now indoctrination camps. A school is supposed to teach you. They're not. A school is not supposed to teach you what to think. Schools are supposed to teach you how to think, how to get to an answer, how to explain your reasoning. Schools are designed for you to be uncomfortable. Because when you are uncomfortable, that is how you learn. When you are uncomfortable, then you, then you kind of, that's how you navigate, that's what you, you, you navigate the world. That's what play is. When kids play, they explore the world. They figure things out. They understand, oh, okay, so these are some, some social boundaries that we have. You know, I can't, I can't take, you know, toys from another person. I can't kick that person. I can't bite that person. For things to go better for me, I have to play along and I have to treat each other, you know. I have to treat my friends nicely. I have to say kind words. I have to say those things. I have to do those things that that make me desirable to be around. That's that's how it is. That's what play is. It's learning and navigating the world. So when kids go to school, you're not supposed to be taught what to do. You need you're supposed to be learning how to think that's what it is unfortunately they don't teach logic anymore and logic it, it, man, it I, I gotta move on man I, I can go on this for a long time but this is this is absolutely disgusting it's absolutely disgusting to me and I I cannot I can't stand it I can't stand the 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 soapbox that these people have. Okay, so Bobby Brown's son found dead at 
L.A. home. The son of singer Bobby Brown was found dead at a Los Angeles home. Bobby Brown Jr., the son of singer Bobby Brown, was found dead at a L.A. home Wednesday. He was 28. L.A. police spokesman officer Jeff Lee said officers were responding to a medical emergency when they found Brown Jr.'s body around 1.50 p.m. at a home in Encino, the L.A. Times reported. Brown Jr. was pronounced dead at the scene. Lee said police believe no foul play was involved and additional details on the death weren't immediately released. Uh, by the way, this is from abcnews.go.com. Uh, uh, Brown Jr. was the son of Bobby Brown and Kim Ward. His son's death is the latest string of misfortune for Bobby Brown. In 2012, his ex-wife, legendary singer Whitney Houston, was found dead after drowning in a Beverly Hills hotel room bathtub. Coroners, I remember that day. That was my uh, that was my birthday, I believe. Uh, coroners officials, my 13th birthday, I believe. Coroners officials ruled Houston's death accidental and said heart disease and cocaine were contributing factors. Their son, Bobby Christina Brown, was found face down in a bathtub at her suburban Atlanta home on January 31st, 2015. She was in a coma for six months before dying in hospice care at age 22. Investigators with the medical examiner's office were not able to determine exactly how Bobby Christina Brown died. An autopsy showed that she had morphine, cocaine, alcohol, and prescription drugs in her body. Hmm, interesting. Bobby Christina's ex-partner, Nick Gordon, who was found liable uh, in her death, died earlier this year. He was 30. Gordon was never criminally charged in the case, but was found responsible in the wrongful death lawsuit. An Atlanta judge ordered him to pay $36 million in Brown's estate. Uh, Brown started his career, his singing career as a member of the R&B group New Edition before becoming a solo artist with hits such as My Prerogative and Every Little Step. By the way, I like My My Prerogative. It's a, it's a good song. Okay. Why am I talking about this? Well... You know, when, when, let me just explain something. Um, you know, I remember my, the very first time I cried for someone who died. Um, it was someone that I went to school with. It was someone that was in my class. And his name, his name was, uh, his name was Jacob. And I'll, I'll never forget it. So, the last time I saw him was, you know, the day before Christmas break. And what happened was you had people who uh, pretty much, pretty much we had like this, uh, we had this, we had this little party and then we went, we, we broke away for Christmas break. And so his family went to like the desert, I want to say. And... They went, uh, they went on some four by fours and, you know, they were doing some, you know, they were doing, they were writing things on the, in the desert. I think they were writing four by fours. Um, there was a train that was coming and, uh, so pretty much they were at, they were at the train tracks and, you know, the arms went down. And so I was in third grade at this time. So my classmate Jacob, 
um, he couldn't, he couldn't drive, he couldn't drive, you know, the dune buggies, or I, I can't remember what they were driving, but anyway, um, but he couldn't drive by himself, he couldn't drive it, so he had to be, uh, he was on one with somebody else, and when the arms went down, the girl that was, that she was driving with, um, that he, that he was driving with went around the arms got hit by the train my parents uh they got a phone call uh i remember i was i was with my siblings in the bonus room and we were we were watching uh we were watching a movie and my parents came in the room and uh, they asked, they asked my sister to meet the TV and they sat down on the couch and they said, uh, they said, uh, Solomon, uh, do you know Jacob from your class? And I said, yeah. And, uh, they didn't really know how to say it. And so they just said, uh, he passed away. And I, I remember my heart, my heart just sank. I, they didn't, they didn't mention the train. Um, and then I, I, I didn't start crying yet. And I said, what, what happened? And they, they told me. And I, I just, I remember I said, in, in my heart, I said, oh my God, man. I, I just, I said, I'm, I'm never going to get over this because, it's not even his fault that he's dead. It was the it was the stupid decision of somebody else that caused him his life. And I, I just I remember, you know, that was the first time I it really hit me that death was not just for old people. That was a very I knew here here's the thing. I knew young people could die. I I knew that. I knew it was possible. I knew it was like, well, just because I'm young doesn't mean I can't die. But when I heard about Jacob's death, it really hit me that that could have very easily have been me. Young people can die. Young people can get killed. And I mean, my I mean, it it just really really hurt me and. I was like, wow, I, I, I just couldn't believe it. And I just, I stayed in my room the rest of the night and I just cried myself, I cried myself to sleep. So why am I talking about this story? He was only 28. Now, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm just going to assume, I'm going to assume that this has to do with drugs. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to assume it has to do with drugs. Usually anytime you're found dead in your home, when it, when it comes to things like this, when it comes to celebrities, it, it usually involves drugs. So I look at this and I say, my goodness, my goodness. And again, this is going back to what I'm talking about with, with how choices can affect your life with the previous story that I just talked about. What you do in life matters. What you choose to do matters. What you choose not to do matters. 
you know, let's go, you know, I remember Whitney Houston died. I didn't know who Whitney Houston was. I never, I never heard of her. I, you know, I had heard the song, I Will Always Love You, but I didn't know that it was her. But I remember uh, when her death was being talked about on TV, and I'm pretty sure she died on my 13th birthday, if not pretty close to around that time. And I, and she had, you know, she had drowned and I said, heart disease, heart disease and cocaine. But these are the things that matter. She died due to the choices that she made. Don't do cocaine. It has, I mean, these are, again, those are, that wasn't the only thing, but that was a contributing factor. And cocaine is a very, it's, it's powerful. It has tremendous effects on the brain and the body. You know, Bobby Christina Brown, face down in a bathtub. But what was in her body? Morphine, cocaine, alcohol, and prescription drugs. Your the choices that you make matter. They can they can put you on the path to success. They can put you on the path to failure. They can put you on the path to life. They can put you on the path to death. They can put you on the path to to greatness. They can put you on the path to mediocrity. There's many, many paths that you could take in life. And it's not like, it's not like you can't change direction. It's not like you can't choose what happens to you in life. There are some things, I will admit, there are some things in life that happen to you that are just out of your control. You can't control your genetics. But you can't control your lifestyle. You can't control who your parents are. But you can't control, you know, you can't control what happens to to your, you can't control what happens to your kids. There are many things that, there are many things that are in your control. There are many things that you can do. Paul Walker died because of his stupidity. Racing on the freeway. Stupid. Especially with him being a dad. Look, dude, you have a you have a you have a you have a kid at home. But you you want to go race on the freeway, okay? Yeah, yeah, you stupid. You you are indeed. You you are a person who made a very incredibly stupid and selfish decision, and it cost you your life. So I'm talking about this because I want people to understand that your choices in life matter. What you do in life matters. And it, this is a perfect transition to this MBA stuff. You know, these young men work exceptionally, worked exceptionally hard to get where they are today. They are now millionaires. Their lives are forever changed. Anthony Edwards, you know, Killian Hayes, uh, Jalen Smith, Patrick Williams, Isaac Okoro, LaMelo Ball. These young men are people who worked hard to get where they are. They train, they sacrifice, they practice, they discipline themselves. And now look at them. Now, again, there's a lot of great basketball players out there. And I mean, there's only like, there's only 60 picks in an NBA draft. So these are the top dudes in the world. 
These are some of the top dudes in the world that can that can ball. But what did they do? They worked hard at their craft. They didn't make excuses. They didn't look at the circumstances and say, oh, well, my odds of making it are very, 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 very small. So, oh, well, I'll just, I won't do it. No. These young men said, you know what? The odds are hard. The odds are not in my favor. But you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm going to work like hell. I'm going to grind like hell. I'm going to do the things that may be a pain now, but will pay off later. There are many times where these, you know, these young men could have gone out and gone to parties and gone to, you know, gone to, you know, play and to gone, gone to the mall and done things that didn't help their craft. And they had to sacrifice those things to help them get to where they are today. There's an interview that Michael Phelps did. Uh, when he was younger. And he was just starting out being in the Olympics. And he said, because I think he started, I think he qualified when he was like 15, which is really incredible. And he said, you know, I have to, I have to make sacrifices. There are things that my friends did that I couldn't do because I train pretty much every day. I have to get up. I can't go to the mall with you. I can't go shopping with you. I'm not going to go to that party. Why? Because I have to go train at 5 a.m. in the morning. And I have school and I have homework and I have things that I have to do. I have obligations that I have to meet. And now look at Michael Phelps. One of the greatest Olympians of all time. Did he have his drug did he have his drug problems? Yeah. But we also learned discipline from him. You have to sacrifice. You have to give something up. To be great, you must sacrifice. There, there isn't, you cannot, you cannot tell me an example of someone who's great where they did not have to sacrifice something. They didn't have to make a tremendous sacrifice. You, you can't point to one example. That's, you know, I was going to, I was going to talk about my opinion on, um, you know, on how these, on how these young men are going to do. But I, I, I can't, I'm, I'm too passionate about this stuff. The choices that you make matter. One thing I love about, one thing I love about the draft, and one thing I love about this, is that you can, you see, you see the lives of young men change forever. Their hard work paying off. You see that they are, you know, you're the master of your destiny. These young men worked hard. Yes, they had help along the way. Yes, they had mentors. Yes, they had fathers. Yes, they had mothers. But guess who had to, who had to actually do the work? These guys. Guess who were the ones who couldn't afford to make excuses? These guys. Guess you had to play through the blood, the sweat, and the tears? These guys. Guess you had to deal with the injuries? These guys. Guess who had to deal with the fame? These guys. Guess who had to deal with, guess who had to deal with the, 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 the issues and the downfalls? These guys. They had to fight through all of that. They had had to fight through the good and the bad. And now look where they are. It shows that work matters. Your choices matter. There's a lot of good players 
you know, a lot of good players out there. And a lot of them, a lot of them could, could be some of these guys. They just may not have wanted to put in the work. Or there were some of them who, you know, preferred their friends over their, over grinding at their craft. There were some who preferred, uh, who preferred, uh, going to parties instead of getting better at what they do. There were some who preferred, you know, drugs to sleep. But we see here that your choices matter. These young men will never be the same. Ever. Now, could could some of them blow it and blow the opportunity? Yeah, they, that, that opportunity is still out there. But they will always be in that elite club of men who have been drafted into to play professional basketball. So this is truly, truly unbelievable. And I'm tremendously, you know, I, I these things they, they, they bring me a lot of joy. They do. Because I look at this and I'm like, wow. You know what? Yeah, it's sports and it's it's very rare, but you can see that hard work does pay off. You know, you can always hear it in their drafts in their draft speeches or or their interviews. They say, Look, you know, I had to fight along the way. I had I had issues. I had to discipline myself. I had to make sacrifices. I couldn't go out with my friends. There were times where I wanted to go to that party, but I couldn't because I knew I had to, you know, practice and do drills in the morning. And so now these young men now have opportunities that that their classmates and that their friends don't have. Now, if you want do you want to go on if you want to go on a party, that's your business. I'm not saying I'm not saying that you're a bad person. What I am saying is that whatever you do has choices. I mean, not has choices, but it has uh, consequences, positive and negative. It just does, and we have to get to that understanding, and we have to understand the aspects of personal responsibility. We have to understand what it does, what it means to work hard. We have to understand. That you are the master of your own destiny. There are things that can't happen to you. That there's that there's nothing you can do about. There's nothing I could I could have done about my sickle cell. My mom has the trait. My dad has the trait. They had me and my siblings. And all three of us have sickle cell. Nothing I can do about that. I can't do anything about my sickle cell. I can't I can't just, you know, get a needle and just, you know. Pull it out of my pull it out of my veins. I can't do that. But what can I do? Well, I can eat healthier. I can exercise. You know, I can stay away from drugs. I can stay away from alcohol. I can stay away from the things that could cause me to have sickle cell crises and to have and to minimize the 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 problems of uh, sickle cell. I can do those things. And so that's what we have to understand. Personal responsibility matters.